Waiting. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Good morning. Good morning, folks. Uh, Coach Dave here, Memorial Day um, morning. Memorial Day. What does that even... What does that even mean to us when we hear that today, Memorial Day? You know, I remember when I was growing up, we used to go to the, every town had a Memorial Day parade. And, and I look back on it, I understand why every, every town had a Memorial Day parade, because most of the men in the town had just served in a war. It, I, was, I was born in 1952, 1960, and I'm, at our, I'm eight years old. I'm at our local Memorial Day parade. Well, those men, had a, they'd only been home from the war for 15 years. It was very real and very raw to what does Memorial Day mean to us where we are today? Here in 2022, Memorial Day, as we look back over our shoulder to our children and our grandchildren, do they really even understand what Memorial Day is all about? Do they really understand that those, those gave their lives that this nation might live? We're going to dive into that here this morning. We're going to expose a little bit the origins of Memorial Day, what, what Memorial Day is all about. I promise you this. It's not going to be some cheesy show, folks. You're going to be glad you watched. We'll be right back on the other side. Okay, friends, so here we go. What is Memorial Day? What is Memorial Day? And I did a little bit of research this morning, uh, Mr. Producer, if you can pull up for me there, how Memorial Day began. How Did you? I, I, I guess I never really thought about it. How did Memorial Day begin? I thought, you know, maybe it was birth, maybe after the First World War, Flanders Field. We all know that I'm going to share that with you this morning. That maybe, um, maybe it happened after the Second World War. But I went online today and I found this out. This is, this is really, really profound to me today. The, the, I'm going to tie together. Don't, you don't want to miss this. I'm going to tie together the Bible and Memorial Day. Stay here with us right now. It says here, have we forgotten the true meaning of Memorial Day? How did Memorial Day start? By an act of love and unity, teach your children well. But we haven't done that, have we? No, we haven't. Uh, Mr. Producer, if you can make that just a little bit bigger for me. I'm getting old. My eyes are getting away from me. After the Civil War ended in 1866, Civil War, friends, four women from Columbus, Mississippi, put flowers on the graves of both the Confederate and Union soldiers as an act of generosity that inspired the poem by Francis Mel's Fence Bloom the Gray. They decided to honor the graves of the Union soldiers. Remember, these were Southern girls, as well as sent notes of condolences to the Northern soldiers' families. And based on this act of commemoration and conciliation, Columbus, Mississippi, considers itself as the originator of Memorial Day. This is 1866, right after the Civil War. Southern women had always decorated the graves of Confederate soldiers, even before the Civil War. But in 1868, Commander-in-Chief John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic issued what was called the General Order Number 11. 
designating May 30th as a Memorial Day. He declared it to be for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of the country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet, churchland, churchyard in the land. Let's, let's stop there just a second. Think about the means of communication that was back in 1866 and 1867. Think of the whole process of getting somebody back from the war, burying them, what that must have been like. The first official national celebration of Memorial Day was originally it was called Decoration Day. I remember that when my mom used to call it Decoration Day. It took place May 30th in 1868 at Arlington National Cemetery. It was hailed as a national classic from the moment of its publication in 1867. Finch wrote a poem, The Blue and the Great. We're not going to get into that today. But Finch explained what inspired him to write it. He said, it struck me that the South was holding out a friendly hand, and it was our duty not only as conquerors, but as men and citizens of the nation to grasp it. In other words, the South was sticking out a hand of, we're, so, we're sorry, let's reunite this nation. The South reached out a hand. And wishing to bury forever the harsh feelings engendered by the war, Post-19 has decided not to pass by the graves of Confederate soldiers sleeping on our lines, but divide each year between the blue and the gray, their first floral offerings of a common country. We have no powerless foes. Post-19 thinks of the Southern dead only as brave men. So what the Southerns did is they went to where some of the guys from the North had died, and they laid flowers. The Southern people laid flowers on the graves of the Northern soldiers that had died. That's how, that's how Memorial Day began. And the people in the North laid flowers on the graves of the Southern soldiers who had died, a reuniting of the country. I'm getting goosebumps. A reuniting of one nation under God. A 10-year-old from the north made a wreath of flowers and sent it to Colonel uh, Leeming in Lafayette, Indiana, with the following note attached, published in the New Hampshire Patriot. Could you slide down a little bit, Mr. Producer? Will you please put this wreath upon some rebel shoulder's grave? My dear Papa is buried in Andersonville, Georgia, and perhaps some little girl will be kind enough to put a few flowers upon his grave. The origins of Memorial Day. Isn't that something, friends? To think what we've allowed it to become today. Who would, who would have ever thought in 1860, 1866, 1869, that this one nation under God, individual, with liberty and justice for all, that we would become so divided within our own ranks, enemies within our own ranks. As I published on Facebook the other day, other Americans are not, they're not our enemy, friends. Other Americans are not our enemies. <laughs> It's just that, the, that the, the media and the Luciferians have made our enemies other Americans. We're coming to a point in, in, in America, whether we are either going to unite or we're going to perish. We know that it's been the plans of the Luciferians to divide and conquer. The seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. Division, murder, killing. All of it's breaking loose in front of us like never before. And sadly, we sit here today in 2020 on Memorial Day 2020, and we don't even know who our 2022, sorry. We don't even know who our enemy are anymore. We don't even know. We, is it the Ukrainians? Is it the Russians? Is it the Germans? Is it black people? Is it Asian people? Is it Democrats? Is it, is it liberals? Is it 
Catholics. They've done such a great job of painting this picture that we have forgotten exactly who we are. We're Americans. One nation, under God, indivisible. I'm going to share a couple things from the Bible today that I think are absolutely staggering that I came across. And many of you know that uh, who, who follow me, I'm a, uh, I'm a King James only guy. That's everything I do is King James only. But I want to share with you <clears throat> what I came across today in the, I was thought, the Lord drove me to Hebrews 11 because I thought about if we're ever going to remember anything on, on Memorial Day, it certainly would be the heroes of our faith, wouldn't it? The Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame. And I read down through it today, and I've got it on the screen. But I thought, now I'm, I want to check something out because I did it on my show the other day, my morning show the other day. I thought, what would that be like in the Message Bible? The Message Bible. Now, I know the Message Bible isn't, isn't uh, uh, it's an interpretation, right? It's not the actual Word of God. But it's a different perspective on what Hebrews 11 says. And I'd like to take a minute to share this with you. It's up on, up on the screen. You can follow with me. Now, as we read this, I want you to think about meh, those literally more than we can even understand. People who came before us 2,000 years of the expansion of the gospel of the kingdom across the world, full of those who laid down their lives. And Abraham Lincoln said that famous line from the Gettysburg Address, those who laid down their lives that that nation might live. That's what we're talking about here. So I went to the Faith Hall of Fame found in Hebrews 11, and I read it today, and I just, the the thuses and the thous and the theys, and sometimes it can be hard to follow. So I flipped over to the Message Bible. Listen to this. Faith in what we don't see. Hebrews 11 from the Message Bible. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created, but what we don't see. What we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteousness. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice even today. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. (laughs) They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know in the basics of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. Folks, are we pleasing God today? Is the average American Christian pleasing God? It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Well, that's a powerful thought, isn't it? 
Not only does God exist, but he actually cares enough to respond to little old you and me. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something that he couldn't see, and he acted on what he was told. He heard there was going to be a flood. You better build a boat. Better build an ark. And he responded. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. Oh, that we would be intimate with God. By faith, again, this is Hebrews 11 in the Message Bible. By faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. And when he left, he had no idea where he was going. And by an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. And Isaac and Jacob did the same thing, living under that same promise. Abram did it by keeping his eye on that unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city that was designed and built by God. By faith, Baron Sarah was able to get pregnant, an old woman, and she was at that time because she believed the one who made a promise that he would do what he said. And that's how it happened. That from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering in the millions running around. Folks, this is what Memorial Day is all about. This is how you and I, in the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of God, has made it clear into 2022. What are we going to do with it? Verse 13 says, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised. But they still believed. How'd they do it? They saw it way off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. They really understood they were just passing through. People who live this way make it plain that they're looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were about a far better country than that heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for him. By faith, Abraham, at the time of testing, offered Isaac back to God, acting in faith. He was ready to return the promised son, his only boy as he had been to receive him. He was as happy to give him back as he was to receive him. And this is after he'd already been told that your descendants shall come from Isaac. Abraham figured that if God wanted to do it, he could raise the dead. And in a sense, that's what happened when he received Isaac back alive from the altar. By an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. How about that? How many times today, folks, are you reaching into the future by blessing others? Reaching into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. By an act of faith, Jacob, on his deathbed, blessed each of Joseph's sons in turn, blessing them with God's blessing. Not his own. Wasn't, it wasn't uh, Joseph's blessing. It was God's blessing. 
as he bowed worshipfully upon his staff. By an act of faith, Joseph, while dying, prophesied the exodus of Israel and made arrangements for his own burial. By an act of faith, Moses' parents hid him away for three months after his birth. They saw the child's beauty, and they braved the king's decree. In other words, they didn't social distance, take a jab, and hide in their houses. By faith, Moses, when grown, refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life with God's people rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heels on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no one can see. And he kept right on going. And by an act of faith, he kept the Passover feast, sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the destroyer of the firstborn wouldn't be able to touch it. Boy, this is powerful, isn't it, folks? The obedient act of one man. What obedience could you be doing today that would bless our king? By an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians gave it a try, and they drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days. And those walls fell flat. By an act of faith, Rahab the Jericho harlot welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came on those who refused to trust God. The writer of Hebrews said, I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There's so many more. Folks, do you have any idea how many heroes here on Memorial Day, faceless, nameless men laying under cold, dead headstones enabled us to be where we are. Oh, there's so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, prophets. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions and fires and sword thrusts. Turned disadvantage to advantage, won battles, routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. There were those who, under torture, refused to give in and go free, preferring something better, resurrection. Others braved abuse, whips, and yeah, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned sawed in two, murdered in cold blood. Stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them. Making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. Not one of these people even though they lived their lives of faith exemplary, not one of them got their hands on what was promised. Boy, that's a thought, isn't it? God had a better plan for us. That their faith and our faith would come together to make one complicated whole. 
their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Man, oh man, oh man. That's the real Memorial Day, isn't it, friends? That's the real Memorial Day. We're getting ready to go to a break. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to show you how that, how that applies even to the Memorial Day that we are this day celebrating in 2022. Our children, not so much my children, my grandchildren walking out, watching the parade of Americans going down through the little town of Hebron, having no understanding, really, of those men who are laying in those graves with those flags on top of no understanding. We're told somewhere along the line that those who forget the past are doomed to repeat the past. In my mind, that's what uh, Memorial Day 2022 is all about. We come back on the other side, friends. How does that apply to us today? How does that apply to modern America, 1918, 1940, 1963, 2000, all the wars, all of the the opposition we faced? Is it for a righteous cause or not? Did men just die for no reason, or did they die, as again, as Abraham Lincoln said, that this nation might live? We're going to dive into that. Right on the other side. Hang in there with us. We'll be right back. <clears throat> okay, folks, thanks for thanks for letting me do that little bit of an opening. Anybody got anything you want to say right now, Jonathan? You can, you know, when we make this, just take that 22 minutes and let stand alone. That's pretty profound, wasn't it? What what isn't wasn't that profound? To think about those guys who really, in fact, haven't have laid down their lives. And the Amen. Sacrifice. We don't even think about it anymore. We don't, we, don't, we don't even think about it. So I want to, uh, I'm going to come back here on the other side. I'm going to, I'm going to continue this for about, a, for about another 20-some minutes. But, hey, by the way, did you have any idea that's how Memorial Day began? Any idea? That those dead widows of southern soldiers wanted to lay flowers on the graves of northern soldiers. A real reuniting, a real nation coming back together. That's what we saw. Okay, so Jonathan, when we come back, <clears throat> here's what I want you to do. I got. Uh, let me let me make sure I get this pulled up for. You. Hey, folks, folks, thanks for letting me stay in it with me. We'll get into it here in a minute. I promise. <clears throat> I want you to pull up. Uh, which one did I send you there? Whoops, I know I'm looking at the wrong thing. That's not it. Bear with me, folks. I'm acting like a fool here. There it is. <clears throat> I want you to pull up. Uh, we're going to start with a Patton. Pull up that clip from Patton. Get that thing ready to go. And then we'll move down into, into some other things. Okay. So here, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a, a count. We'll be ready to go. Second 22 minutes. Three, two. So how, folks, what does that have to do with us today? What does Memorial Day, what should Memorial Day mean to us? As we look out on the spectrum of America, do we understand, folks, do we really and truly understand? that the advancement of the kingdom of God, which, by the way, is what we are told in the uh, Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Do we understand that the same men who died in the Civil War and in the uh, in World War One and World War Two that they were all seeking and serving the same God that we claim to be ser- seeking and serving today? 
Do we understand that they were fighting off the tyrannical wiles of the devil, of the Luciferians, even back in those days? Do we understand it? Do we understand that we have been given a tag team handoff? Do we understand that it's our turn now? Do we understand that? Do we have any understanding of the times in which we find ourselves? Do we have any understanding at all that the national American government has been seized, that it is seized, that there is no longer the the American way in charge of the American government? Do we understand this? As they keep us fighting amongst ourselves, Republicans against Democrats, liberals against conservatives, old against young, black against white, union workers against bosses, corporations against the little guy. Divide and conquer is Satan's oldest battle. It's his oldest, not battle, it's his oldest means of fighting. I was, I was uh, noticed this morning, well, let's do this one, Mr. Uh, Mr. Producer. Let's do this one. Flanders Field. As a young child, I used to, again, remember when I, when I was growing up, Memorial Day, and we would, we would go to uh, our Memorial Day parade. I was eight years old. My mom was probably 40. I don't, I don't how old was my mom? Maybe 40 years old. She was a young woman. She knew classmates who had died in the war, much like many of our generation. We knew people who died in the Vietnam War, or we knew people who knew, died in the Gulf War. So the World War too, was very, very real to them. They would take us there, and I would watch the men walk by and they hold the flag. I didn't understand World War II. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew that those guys had done something. I didn't know what it was. They'd done something. I had to take off my hat and put it over my heart and honor the, honor, honor these dead. And, and there was always a lady who, who read the poem in Flanders Fields. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know. And it goes back to 1950, World War World War One. Uh, Flanders was a country in, over in, in, in Germany. And the poem was written. I don't know if you guys have even heard the poem. The poem was written by Canadian phys, phys, uh, physician, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. And this was always read at our Hebron, Ohio Memorial Service. Go ahead and play uh, for me, it's it's a video. Which one? I think it's number four, brother. I think it's no, no, it's number five. Play number five. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but the profundity of the fact that guys go die, and they get buried, and flowers just continue to grow. In Flanders Field, play that. It's really, it's really, uh, really brief and really poignant. In Flanders, In Flanders fields, fields, the poppies, poppies blow. blow. Between, Between crosses, crosses row, row on row, row that, that mark our place. place. And, and in, in the, the sky, the larks, still, still bravely singing, singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns, guns below. below. We, we are the dead. Short, Short days, days ago we lived, felt, felt dawn. Saw, saw a sunset glow, glow. Loved, loved, and were, were loved, and, and now, now we lie, lie in Flanders' fields. Take, Take up, up our quarrel with the foe, to, to you, you from fain hands, hands we, we throw, throw the torch, torch. 
be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. Though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Man. Life goes on, doesn't it? This thing is a tag team handoff. This thing called our faith, our Christian faith, our Christianity, our American Christian way of life, folks, it hangs in the balance. That's really what we're dealing with here today. And I've often used this as an example when I get a chance to talk to people. I'm speaking to a group. I mean, I talk to people all the time. The idea of a rear view mirror in your car. I always thought it was amazing that in a brand new vehicle, they put a great big windshield and a real tiny rear view mirror because it's so much more important where you're going than where you've been. We can't drive down the road looking in the rearview mirror. But let us never forget, as we look in that rearview mirror, of the task that lies before us. It's a tag team handoff. It's a tag team handoff. They with go back to that Hebrews, if you could, brother, that they without us, last verse, last verse, Not one of these people, even though they lived their lives of faith, were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith are not complete apart from our lives of faith. We have a race to run. So as as I was reminiscing here this morning, I thought of uh, General Patton, number one there, brother. General Patton. We all saw the movie Patton, George C. Scott. And uh, this is a message to us today. When are we going to stand up? When are we as Christian men and women going to stand up and say enough is enough and fight to reestablish this God-given Blessing of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Because as we look over our shoulder at the Faith Hall of Fame, it costs them everything. We don't even know their names. Like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I'm going to gather up my grandchildren, my wife, and we're going to go to the Memorial Day Parade. And we're going to walk through that cemetery, and we're going to see the little tombstones with the flags on top of them. You know what I'm talking about. And it'll just be a nameless headstone of somebody who lived and loved and had dreams and had plans. And the Bible tells us that greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for us. That's Memorial Day, folks. That's Memorial Day. And what about the saints, the dear souls that we see all around the nation, all around the world, who are sacrificing their lives for the advancement of the gospel of kingdom when it's illegal to do so? We stand up and pound on our chest. Yay, Pastor Tony Spell, what a brave man. He didn't close down his church. Yay, Pastor Arter, he didn't close down. As if there's some type of bravery in standing up for God. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing. 
And I remember back in uh, my younger days, I don't even know when this movie was made, when George C. Scott acted, played the role of Patton when he walked out and stood in front of the flag and gave this speech. Go ahead there, Mr. Producer. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Amen? All this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. Now, an army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. The bilious bastards who wrote that stuff about individuality for the Saturday Evening Post don't know anything more about real battle than they do about fornicating. Now, we have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, and the best men in the world. You know, by God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now, some of you boys I know are wondering 
whether or not you chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Now, there's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. Thirty years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled shit in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Mm. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. That's all. Amen. You can cut that there, Mr. Producer. Can you put two, both those videos in the chat, the pop? I will. I will, Joe. I will. Is that what you want to be able to do, folks? Say so you shoveled shit in Louisiana? All the strong arm of the Luciferians was coming down over the top of us? Come on in, Dr. Paul. Great quote from my feed at Maine Stands Up. All tyrannies rule through fraud and force. But once the fraud is exposed, they must rely exclusively on force. That's George Orwell. And I was thinking, with all the news that's coming out lately, it's only a matter of time before a new civil war breaks out. Um, and I hope we're all ready for that. Uh, Paul, I, uh, amen, Paul. And folks, uh, the truth of the matter is uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let General Patton be. He wouldn't be in the military today. They wouldn't let General Patton in the military today, and they certainly wouldn't let him into a church. Listen, I just got a couple minutes. Uh, I, I got to pull up number seven. Let me wrap this up here with number seven. Because, folks, remember, when you read the Bible, remember the chapter breaks were put in there. All right? It's one continuous letter. The writer of Hebrews didn't write chapter 11 and then say, Chapter 12. No, no, it was one continuous flow. And remember, he just told us, the writers of Hebrew, that they without us couldn't be, they can't be complete. 
Until we are through running our race, they have not completed theirs. This Jesus story, American Christian story, will not be told until everybody has finished the course. You understand it, folks? You understand? So Hebrews 12 tells us this. Coming off of Hebrews 11, saying what? You haven't finished it yet. Even though you ran your leg, even though you ran your race, the race is not over. It's 2022, boys and girls. So Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible, says this in Hebrews 12. Do you see what this all means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all those veterans cheering us on, makes me want to weep. It means we'd be better to get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began, began and finished this race. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in that place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. And this all-out match against sin, the devil, Others have suffered far worse than we have. Somebody say amen. To say nothing of what Jesus went through. Amen. All that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourself. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat their children? And that God regards you as his children. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. But don't be crushed by it either. If the child he loves, it's the child that he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as a dear children. And this trouble you're in, it isn't punishment. It's training. The normal experience for children. Only an irresponsible parent leaves children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training? Amen. So we can truly live. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off big time for the well-trained and who find themselves mature in their relation with God. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Work, Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye 
out for the weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Oh, amen. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. No tears. So unlike your ancestors, you can't come to Mount Sinai, all that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rumble to hear God speak. Those ear-splitting words and soul-shaking messages terrified them, and they began, they begged him to stop. And when they heard the words, if an animal touches the mountain, it's as good as dead, they were afraid to move. Even Moses was terrified. But that's not you. That's not your experience. No, no. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It's a city where God is judged with judgments that make us just. You come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He's the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, Proclaimed became a proclamation of grace. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to those who turn on heavenly, uh, turn on backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. Do you see what what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He actively, he's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn. And he won't quit until it's all clean. God himself is fire. God bless you, folks. We'll see you next week. Boom! Is that unbelievable? Come on in, Jeff. Coach, thanks for thanks for this this morning. This is going to give us a different me a different perspective at that Danville parade passing out ice cream. It'll put a whole new meaning on this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, folks, we we're act like we're being asked to pay a price. Oh, I, oh, really, really? We're afraid to go to a school board meeting. We're afraid to confront our past. These. Think of what these people went through that we might be able to be where we are today and our unwillingness to engage and lay down our life. It's, it's I'm ashamed. Go ahead, Joe. Um, it was uh, brought back some memories when you put up uh, Flanders Fields uh, on. Uh, I have been in the museum in Ypres or Ypres, depending if you're speaking Flemish or French. And I've seen the original of that poem. And I saw it on a day when the Belgian family that sort of adopted me when I was at an exchange program there in, in university. I saw it on a day when they took me out and showed me everything, the the, the battlegrounds, and uh, and uh, in the trenches. And they showed it me on a day it was about minus ten Celsius, and a mm. very humid minus ten. It goes a cold that goes right to your bones, and they had trains in the trenches, little miniature trains to move stuff around in there. And they lived in those holes in the ground, like hobbits, but not really nice as hobbits did, you know. And they it and there wasn't a tree even or a church or a building 
in that area of the country up because everything was used, that had any altitude, any height, was used for spotting for artillery fire. Wow. So there was nothing left, no telephone pole, nothing. And it was, it's, now the town's totally rebuilt, but if you ever are in that area, you want to go to that museum, you get a feeling for what those young men endured for years. Amen. And Joe, today we want to tear down statues of Robert E. Lee and those guys who, right or wrong, the courage that those men had to stand up for what they believed in. We don't even have that. Hey, Spencer or, or Hunter or Robert or Joseph or Jonathan, if you can, raise this I'll, up the screen just up a little bit because I had to skip this. I want you to hear this. They're right there. Keep going. A little bit more, brother. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what's going to happen to us if we turn our back on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundation, but this time, and he told us quite plainly, his voice is going to rock the heavens. Our last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Holy smokes! Myra. Oh, in regard to um, taking uh, seriously God's training, um, 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, watch and stand in the faith. Be brave and be strong. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Our dear friend, Pastor Clint Harper <clears throat> in Georgia, Royston, Georgia, home of Ty Cobb. Pastor Clint Harper held his church service yesterday at the Georgia Guidestones. Took his church to the Georgia Guidestones. They didn't all go. Oh, oh no. They need to read a little bit of Hebrews 11 and 12. Not all of them went. But Pastor Clint did. You know, he texted me. You know what he told me? He said, I got to preach to more unsaved people today than any time in my life. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Clint. Jeff Nell, come on in. Yeah, in that exhibition, uh, which taught is to get out is the battle of the state of Nevada, the psychological persuasion of the LBGTQ. It's called the Trevor Project. That's mm. the next step. I got the LBGTQ resources removed from the middle school website here in Churchill County. There's an article on mass resistance on that. Do you guys understand that the LBGTQRS movement is running the church into the hills? You guys understand that? Yeah. You, you guys, do you understand that? Do you understand that we are created in the image of God and the, the, L, the homosexual movement, that vile, demonic homosexual movement is having the church run to the hills? It's unbelievable. Well, it's it's unbelievable. on top of that, three days ago, I got my life threatened physically. With our preaching of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? Amen. Roger. You know, Bill O'Reilly has written a book on Patton, and I've read another one by another author, and he was feared by the Germans. Mm. He was feared, that personality. He knew it was war, Roger. He knew he understood it, war. And um you know, he went through the entire war pretty much unscathed physically. Now, 
he was tarnished by other generals and backstabbers and so forth. But as my understanding, he had a Bible next to his bed. He was a man of faith. And he was unafraid of moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. It's a, some great biographies out there, but he was feared. And there's nobody that I know, and you've talked about this before, at the national level within the Christian faith that is feared by the politicians, that is feared by really anyone. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. And he had, he had, he said he understood war and that war was about conquering, conquer or die, conquer or die. What's the church's position today? Even on spiritual war, is it conquer or die? Are we going to continue to allow the enemy to destroy the very fabric of our faith, of our children, of our nation? Because the truth is, we will either fight or we will die. But see, we wet our pants when we hear the word fight. Oh, that's not very Christian. What? Tell it to the boys in Hebrews. Tell them those boys. That wasn't very Christian to do that. Reggie, come on in. And Paul. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for, for this show this morning. As because Dennis is 26 years, you know, he went over twice. Um, I think of the line in in, uh, the line (laughs) scripture, uh, greater, no greater sacrifices, you know, a man who lays down his life for another. And then also the same token, we have the same uh, scripture that states, you know, um, those who try to save their life will surely lose it. And I think about how my parents raised us to honor the veterans. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were raised that way. These kids today, I think, not even just children, young adults, um, you know, if there is a war, <laughs> I don't know if they'll engage. They'll walk over a body and just pretty much say, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. me. Glad it wasn't me. So I remember, my dad, I remember my dad one, t- one day. We were at the Hebron Parade. And I remember that I had a baseball hat on and I'll never, I must've been 10, maybe 11. I don't know. And all of a sudden I felt this hand on my chest. Boom. And I looked at his dad. He says, take off your hat. Boy, how far the mighty have fallen, huh? Dr. Paul, before Dr. Paul gets in, uh, uh, Jonathan, get up. Uh, the NWO said it. Get that ready. Go ahead, Paul. Gotta love the brotherhood. Anyway, you know, in the early 90s, 92, 94 is when I went to school, medical school anyway. And I remember Gulf War broke out. And, you know, I have 100 people in my class. And I looked at that and I said, I'm not sitting here. So I went down the road and joined up because I just couldn't bear to, to be not part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found brotherhood in the military. I did not find it where I am now. Um, I'm traveling down to see my buddy Dennis because there's some brotherhood there. You you know what I mean? And I I do want to remind folks that there are still folks out there that gave it all and their souls have been blackened by the wars, the the betrayal from the military (laughs) right now. And they're they're the ones that are the living that, that you should reach out to. I have a lot of folks with Agent Orange issues, uh, military guys yeah. that are alone. And uh, those are the guys that I hope people reach out to. 
this weekend. Amen. Amen, Paul. You know, did I send, Hunter, did I send it? No, I didn't send it. I'm going to send it to you now, brother. I got the wrong thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Coming to you, coming to you right now. Come on in, Jack. It's coming. It's coming. Um, I'll probably lose you, so I just sent you a text. Uh, Churchill's quote works, whether you're Christian or in a battle, whether it's in the church or on the street or in Germany or wherever. So I just texted you that. Yeah. Churchill said, uh, if you I will think, not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory is sure and not, too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may be a case worse, and you may have to fight when there's no hope of victory at all because it's better to perish than to die as slaves. Now, folks, I want you to listen to this. This is the World Economic Forum. This is what we're up against. You better tighten your belt. I'm telling you, listen closely to what this man says. Go ahead. I think that uh, it's really fulfilling of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today this dream is becoming a reality. Reduce the population by 50 percent, and today I believe that dream uh, is becoming a reality. Shut him off, Jonathan. Today I believe that dream is becoming a reality. Folks, the hell? He just admitted. Come on in, Dennis. Trying? Yeah, I'm there. I'm sorry. So, like, going back to what Paul was saying is, like, you know, I'm, you know, in my own little avenue, silo, however you want to classify it, is, like, there's some of us out here that, you know, wrote a check, a blank check to the country, Amen. right? Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately, our country will cash that check for their evil intentions. But now I wrote that check to God. I wrote that check to him. So when he wants to collect on that, I'm ready. But we need we need a uh, we need God's coalition, and like I said last week to you, you're the recruiting video. You're Uncle Dave. Yep. <laughs> I Amen. want you for God's army. Amen. Amen, Dennis. Amen. Amen. This is from Ed, this is from Edmund Burke, folks. Edmund Burke said this. This is from Jack. Thank you, Jack. Here's the struggle with choice and freedom. Edmund Burke said, "Men are qualified for civil liberty." in exact proportion to their disposition to put moral chains upon their own appetites. Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon the appetite be placed somewhere. And the less of it there be within, the more there must be without chains. Restrictions, he's talking about. Moral restrictions. It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot 
be free. Their passions forge their fetters. We're at war, friends. We're at war. Memorial Day. Let's never forget what lies ahead of us. God bless you. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.